Welcome to Droughtcast, the podcast dedicated to keeping you well informed about the drought situation across England and Wales. We look at what drought means for people and the environment. Droughtcast is brought to you by CCW, the Consumer Council for Water. I'm your host today, Tom Quee, and it's the 1st of September, 2023. In just a moment, I'll be chatting to Chief Customer Officer for Southwest Water, Laura Flowerdew, about the imminent lifting of Cornwall and South Devon's hosepipe ban on the 25th of September. Following that, Kath Jones will be speaking with Director of Programmes and Planning at Water UK, Samuel Larson, discussing whether the water industry trade body believes the sector is taking adequate measures to prevent future hosepipe bans. And finally, I'll be in conversation with Head of Water Resources and Drought for Anglian Water, Sarah Underhill, digging into how drought has impacted the region and their plans for the future to improve resilience. Okay, so we are really pleased to be joined by Laura Flowerdew, who's Chief Customer Officer for Southwest Water. Laura, welcome to Droughtcast. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. As people may have heard on the previous edition of Droughtcast, Droughtcast 5, Mike and Kath were especially pleased to hear that uh, Southwest Water are lifting their hosepipe ban or set to lift it on the 25th of September for the majority of the affected area. Can you just explain why the ban has been lifted and also why a date has been given a month before it actually being enacted? Yeah, so it's great news, isn't it, that we're going to lift the ban for Cornwall and the Upper Tamar region of Devon. We are taking the slightly unusual step, you're right, of giving a month's notice for that. And that's because Cornwall has been under the ban for some time now. We're really keen to lift the ban, but we want to make sure we do that at the right point. In the summer months, we see uh, the highest level of demand for water resources, both as a result of potential hot weather usage by residents across Cornwall, but also because of the high visitor numbers we see. So rather than lift that after all the brilliant work customers have done to use water carefully, when we might then see a a peak in demand that puts pressure again on water resources, we're looking to do that as we come out of the summer months and into the autumn where demand typically drops off. So we're just holding off that little bit longer to make sure we do it in a very responsible way and to ensure that we're doing it with the best possible position for water resources going forward. And as you just said, Southwest covers a particularly popular tourist area. Has the poor weather across the summer affected the tourists and has it had a consequence for water demand? So I'm not an expert on the uh, tourism industry, but yes. certainly we have seen uh, this summer with the slightly wetter weather that we've had in the peak months, a lower levels of demand for water usage. In 2022, uh, with the hot weather, both from residents and tourists, we saw high levels of demand that really impacted water resources. Certainly this year, we have seen demand reduce, and that's absolutely helped to make sure that we've got um, the right level of water resources and can lift that hosepipe ban. And as you mentioned at the start, this is a hosepipe ban for the majority of the area, but is there any news on when the Roadford tub might end. We aren't lifting the Roadford and therefore Devon mm. hosepipe ban at this point, but we are seeing improvements in water resources. We continue to monitor that carefully and we will obviously look to lift that ban as quickly as possible. The ban did go on in April, whereas for Cornwall it's been longer. So it's been a shorter period that people have been under that hosepipe ban. And again, we just want to make sure we're doing the right thing. We raise uh, lift the ban at the right point where we, we are confident in the water resource levels. Absolutely. And finally, what kind of support are you offering to homes and businesses to reduce their water consumption? I mean, we, we've had you on for waterfall and stop the drop and all those excellent things. Like, 
What, what else can you, what are you servicing? Yeah, so we continue to provide all sorts of support. You're right, uh, for customers across the region. And we will do that even after lifting the hose pipe ban. Uh, so we have free water efficiency devices available so that we can help customers ensure they're only using the water they need. They include things like water butts, so we can harvest rainwater uh, for water in the garden. They include things like flow reductors in taps that keep the pressure coming, uh, but use less water in doing so. Uh, We also always offer water meters to all our customers. We have a really high level of water meters across Devon and Cornwall, which is fantastic. But obviously that helps customers understand their usage. We've also been working hard with businesses uh, to help them look at water efficiency schemes um, and to provide them with relevant water saving devices. And we've also been doing some brilliant work with local communities about funding projects that might harvest rainwater or help water allotments using rainwater rather than uh, treated tap water, which has got all sorts of benefits, but also reduces the amount of water we need from our sources. So lots and lots of help available. If anybody wants to find out more, there's lots of information on our website. So please do take a look. Laura Flowerdew, thank you so much for coming on to Droughtcast. Thank you. If you have any questions on droughts and hosepipe bans, then we would love to hear from you and we will attempt to answer them on future editions of Droughtcast. We'd also love to hear from you if you have any suggestions for future topics and future guests. So be sure to email us at podcast at ccwater.org.uk. Water UK was established in 1998 to form a single voice for the water industry across the UK, bringing together the previous Water Services Association and Water Companies Association. Water UK represents water companies to ensure that customers receive high-quality tap water at a reasonable price and that our environment is protected and improved. Here's CCW's Caf Jones speaking to their Director of Programmes and Planning, Samuel Larson. So today on Droughtcast, we are joined by Sam Larson, Director of Programmes and Planning for Water UK, the water industry's trade body. Thanks for joining us, Sam. We're here to have a quick chat with you. I think first question really, as the trade body for the water industry, is the sector doing enough to avoid hosepipe bans? Thanks, Gareth. And I, I know it's I know it's autumn, but this absolutely is a great time to be talking about drought and the things that need to be done in the industry and the and the sector more broadly to kind of manage drought risk. But last year's record-breaking temperatures in the UK are a stark reminder to us all. And what we're seeing this year again in Europe is a really big reminder that investment in this area has got to be a top priority. And population growth as well um, means customer demand for water is, is always under pressure. Now, these sorts of long-term problems need long-term, progressive, stable plans. And that's why we have these plans that we published this week, which are consulted on in public. And this week, as I say, saw the release of final uh, water resources management plans across the UK. These are really ambitious plans, more ambitious than we've seen before. And they're in line with all the government guidelines. And those plans are a real collaborative effort. And we should really just pause for thought around all of those engineers, those planners, those modelers, those scientists and those ecologists that normally don't get mentioned, but, you know, are a really important part of generating those plans and finding the very best solutions to all those problems. I think that's a really good point, actually, Sam, about how 
how many people are involved in water resource management plans. As you say, it's, it's a huge piece of work with often a lot of unsung heroes going into that. Um, and I think that's great here. And it's a really good explanation that you've given there of how much the industry does to protect our water resources. But there's equally, we need people as our um, sister podcast, Waterfall is all about water saving, to make sure we all use water wisely as well. And there's a campaign that's been running for a little while now called Water's Worth Saving um, that I think Water UK has spearheaded there. On such an important topic, is one campaign enough? It's a campaign we're really proud of. You're right, Water UK has been running this uh, campaign now for three years uh, and it's more popular than ever. So since June this year, we've reached just over 11 million people uh, as a result of that engagement, 90,000 people have gone on to the website where all the kind of backing detail is, and they've engaged with the detail about exactly what tips should they be following and, and what can they do to kind of play their part in making those plans that I mentioned earlier uh, work. But, you know, to your question, you're right. Uh, you know, the message needs to be front of mind. And that is the sector's ambition to kind of keep keep you know, making that message and keep keep that message out there. And that will take more. That will take more from the industry. That will take more from the sector as a whole. And the plans I mentioned earlier do include every, targets for every company to kind of do more on water efficiency, including engaging with customers and members of the public more broadly in line with those government targets that were announced earlier this year. And companies will be continuing to support customers with information, tips, and in some cases, devices that they can install in their homes things like water butts and things like uh, water efficient fittings those sorts of things uh what uk will continue a national campaign we're very proud of what was worth saving as i said and what it's achieved but there's much more out there than just what uk loads of others do great work in this area as well there's our colleagues in europe and they're obviously facing a particular kind of need for that that yes. campaign engagement at the moment, but there's also CC Water. You guys do a lot, WaterWise, Mosul. Everyone's got a really important customer relationship in this. It's interesting, Sam. I was going to ask you, do you think that we all, as an industry, speak with one voice? Because there are so many bodies, as you say. You're the trade body, Water UK. There's all of the companies. And I think sometimes, um, certainly last year with saving um you know shaving time off your shower i think we saw people being told to take different length showers which could lead to some confusion i do you think there's anything to be done around doing more to get the sector to speak with one voice that's another great question i think uh what well, water uk was established uh, in 1998 to uh to sort of help the, the sector speak with a single voice and we represent the industry as a whole um obviously there are some issues that affect some companies more than others. So, for example, not all companies have a wastewater service. Not all companies have mountains in their operating area. You know, they've all got differences, uh, regional differences. But uh, the regulatory frameworks across all the companies are common to everyone. Things like serving customers is common to everyone. Having a resilient supply, providing wholesome water. You know, there's a lot that is common and consistent across them all. So what UK's role is to promote best practice in the industry, to help the industry continuously improve things like scientific performance, operational standards, etc. We also represent the UK industry in its discussions with government on all those common issues, NGOs, and of course all the regulators from the DWI uh, right through Ofwat and the Environment Agency and others. Um, we shouldn't leave out the health and safety executive actually. Another, <laughs> another important uh, regulator in our space. 
Um, and of course, we're there to help encourage innovative policies that can tackle some of the really big issues that the industry is facing. But there's also a role in joining up across the network of other bodies and associations that operate in the water industry, you know, Aquia, Mosul, CC Water and so on, you know. That's all part of the job. Well, Sam, I've got one last question for you. And I think you've touched on it there with some of the big issues that the water industry is. It, we, we're in the media all the time at the moment. Um, trust in water companies, we know from our surveys, is actually at a 12-year low at this point. So what's the sector doing at the moment to try and rebuild that trust with customers? Yeah, it is obviously a big issue. I mean, I would challenge whether it's whether it's the whole of the industry, whether it's every aspect of the industry or whether it's parts of the industry. So things like drinking water quality is really high. It's exceptionally high. It's one of the highest in the world and it's consistently been that high. Um, you look at things like the unprecedented hot weather we had in 2022 and the drought, uh, companies activated the plans that they have in place to deal with kind of hot weather and drought and they pump more water than you know they've ever done before in some cases and customers were kept in supply so um and as i said earlier this week companies have published those new plans to go faster on water supply so there's a lot in the industry to be really proud about um but of course there are also issues in other areas and and your question i think probably points really to the the public debate about rivers and, and water quality. Uh, and on the wastewater side, companies have recognised that more should have been done to address the issue of spillages and sooner. Uh, and over the next seven years, they're planning to spend billions, 10 billion, uh, to address the pollution emitted by sewage works. And what companies want to deliver on all of these plans, the water resources management plans for water supply, but also improving the wastewater performance and that all means tens of billions uh, of, of additional spend up to 2050 and customers will see a real transformation in those services over that time you know they'll see the industry maintaining its resilience to things like drought but also improving its performance in in rivers thanks sam i think you're absolutely right the only, the only way to really rebuild trust is by delivering on your promises and as you say we've set out the industry set out really clearly what its intentions are Brilliant. Thank you so much for taking the time out to speak to us today on Droughtcast, Sam. It's really appreciated. Thanks, Kath. Although the primary focus of Droughtcast is unquestionably and quite obviously on drought, there are numerous compelling reasons to conserve water throughout the year, irrespective of drought conditions. So if you're seeking tips and motivation for water conservation, well, look no further than our sister podcast, Waterfall. Each week, Waterfall features insightful guests, along with our own CCW experts, delving into the importance of water conservation and providing a glut of valuable advice. You can find Waterfall wherever you listen to your podcasts. And in the final chat for this episode, I caught up with Sarah Underhill of Anglian Water to reflect on last year's drought in the region and to look ahead to ways in which it could be combated in the future. I'm very pleased to be joined now by Sarah Underhill, who is Head of Water Resources and Drought at Anglian Water Services. Sarah, welcome to Droughtcast. Thanks for having me. Now, you cover the driest part of the country, Anglian. How did the drought impact your region last year? Yeah, so you're right. We operate in the driest part of the country. So we receive around a third less rainfall on average than everywhere else. But when we look back at last year, it was particularly dry, but also coupled with those heatwave events. So those 40 degree temperatures. And what that meant is our groundwater and our surface water levels across the region dropped below normal. And the Environment Agency moved our region into drought status around August last year. 
But what's really positive is uh, due to kind of the unsettled weather that we've seen over the coming out of winter and through spring, summer this year. So cooler, wetter weather, the majority of our sources have actually returned to a really healthy position, which is really positive. There's just one part of our region, which is in Norfolk, that remains under drought status by the Environment Agency. And that's because groundwater levels predominantly in that area are still below where we'd want them to be for the time of year. And so what we're doing is we're closely monitoring those, uh, understanding what the autumn winter rainfall will mean in terms of their recovery ahead of summer 2024. It was quite confusing for some customers that you were classified as being in drought, but there was no hose pipe ban. Can you just elaborate on that a little, please? Yeah, so it can be confusing for our customers, but there's different levels that the Environment Agency use to determine if it's in drought status or not. So for us, for public water supplies, they're currently secure. But actually, there's a prolonged dry weather that's been impacting the environment in the east of England and in particular Norfolk. And that's taking a much longer time to recover. So for our customers, it's not a direct public water supply impact, but it's just a general feeling that it's been dry over a 20 month, uh, 24 month period. And that's why it's still remaining in drought status. And what are you doing to tackle possibility of future drought and the impact of climate change in the area as well? Yeah, so we've been investing in drought resilience for many years. Um, and actually, as we sit today, most of our region is actually resilient to a one in 200 year drought event and everywhere will be by 2025. And when we look ahead, we're actually going to be moving to one in 500 year drought resilience um, by 2040. And what we do is we set out a water resources management plan. And this is what every water company produces every five years. And this sets out our strategy for how we get sustainable, secure public water supplies over the next 25 years. And for us, we have a dual um, approach to that. We firstly focus on demand management. Um, so this is around reducing wastage and reducing usage of water. So for us, that's around driving industry-leading leakage performance. We're rolling out smart meters to all our customers, and we've got a customer change and behavioral change campaign. But when we look at the challenges that we face, that's not enough to fill the deficit in, in water supplies. So we're actually looking at producing more alternative, more sustainable sources of water. And actually, in our plan, we've got the proposals of two new reservoirs, so two new large surface water reservoirs like Grafham Water that we have in our region. One's proposed in Lincolnshire and one is proposed in the Fens. And that will allow us to have that security for those bigger future drought events that might be on the on the radar. That's great. And finally, in terms of customers, which is a big focus here at Droughtcast, like, do you feel like your own customers know enough about their water usage, know enough about their responsibility? Yeah, so it's really interesting when we look back over usage of last year, and we use a metric in the water industry, it's called um, kind of household per capita consumption, but essentially it's what water usage is for customers. And despite the unprecedented kind of heat and dryness that we saw last year, coupled with the fact that we didn't actually tell customers to reduce water in the form of a hose bike ban, our customers' usage reduced last year on the usage in 2021. So that shows that the messages around water use, water scarcity in the east of England is landing and customers are doing the right thing. But there's obviously there's more that we can do. Um, so there's more that we do to encourage customers to use water responsibly. But in parallel, we're also making sure we're getting the right technology out there. So we're currently rolling out one of the biggest smart meter programs um, across our region. We've got 600,000 smart meters installed, aiming for 1.1 million by the end of 2025. 
by 2030 everyone should have have a smart meter and that's really important because that's real localized customer specific data that they can use to understand their water consumption and then help to drive the right behaviors going forward sarah underhill anglian water thanks so much for your time thank you and that concludes today's edition of Droughtcast. Be sure to email us, podcast at ccwater.org.uk with any of your questions or ideas for future editions. Go back through the archive, subscribe to the show, tell a friend, and stay tuned because we will be back very soon for another edition of Droughtcast. Droughtcast.